Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. It is June 30th, the last day of Pride Month. And I have to apologize. I have a very, very loud cat right here who you can hear through the entire house no matter where I lock him up. So forgive me if if you hear Leo screaming in the background. Uh, Jim, I know, just returned late, late last night from uh, the, the Midwest, Chicago, and Iowa. Jimmy, are you, are you awake yet? Uh, yes, uh, not on a lot of sleep, but awake. I'd one of those lovely uh, airport adventures where I wound up getting home at three in the morning when I should have been home close to about midnight. But what, thanks you, to our what, friend you, Brent, who is the phenomenal travel agent. I mean, basically, if it wasn't for Brent, I would have been spent the night in Dallas. <laughs> my Iowa to from, Dallas? I, flight from Iowa to Dallas uh, was delayed. But they didn't tell anybody it was delayed, but, of course, Brent knows stuff that they don't tell people. So he texts me immediately and says, your flight hasn't even left Dallas. It will not arrive until like an hour and a half late, and your connection is only an hour, so you will not make your connection. And so at the last minute, he's able to cobble together a flight on a United plane to Chicago, then Chicago to L.A. So that was fine. Then, of course, you land in L.A., and you're, you're, for 50 minutes you're sitting on the tarmac waiting for a gate. Yep. which is poor planning. And then my bag didn't show up. And then I wait another hour in the baggage line to file a claim. And then they say, oh, your bag was sent to United. It's in L.A. But they're closed right now, so I'll have it shipped to you. So then Brent's oh, driving wow. me out of the airport. I, say, I just go by United anyway. So we go by. The doors open to the carriage, the luggage thing. I walk in, and my bag is just sitting there. So I took it and left. But the whole, <laughs> the whole thing just took a lot longer than it should have. But it's just I, the. Uh, it, 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 it's one of the things maddening because they the thing about flight delays, <clears throat> you know, they won't tell you, and so it kept in in uh, Cedar Rapids, it kept saying the flight to Dallas is on time, but I knew the plane hadn't even left Dallas, so it's impossible for it to be there. Why? You, and this woman who was ahead of me in baggage line missed her flight to Australia because she was stuck for hours in Chicago. Huh. But they never would tell people, you know, in essence. They said, hey, you're going to have a two-hour delay. You can plan. But they tell you it's going to be on time or it's 15 minutes late. So it's, I guess they don't want people to stampede. But, man, it just gets annoying. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I, it, Chicago and LAX are, are the two worst airports. And I had, I had problems with both. When we got back to L.A., the, the pilot comes on and, and says – I'm sorry, um, we have to wait to find somebody to move the truck that's blocking our gate. Now, <laughs> they've known that the plane was coming in, but they still just decided to leave a, 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 a couple of trucks in front of the gate. So it, it really it's unbelievable how badly planned LAX is. And, and then they claim that they're fixing it with all these renovations, but you know they're not really going to fix the problem. Well, they're going to add some nice restaurants and shops, so when you're waiting three hours, you'll have some place to shop. But Oh, and then in Iowa, we had to go. We had to literally get off our plane because they swapped our plane out for another one because our radar was working for weather. Theirs wasn't. 
And so they forced our <laughs> pilot to kind of turn, basically disembark everybody and wait another 45 minutes for a plane. I mean, he said he'd never seen anything like it. But Wow. Well, well enough the reason fishing, we were in anyway, the, the advantage of having a first world, uh, having, a, having a great travel agent like Brent, I mean, he really just, no way, you know, he figures that stuff out in ways that I have no clue. So I'd be calling you right yeah. now from Dallas if it wasn't for him. No, Brent, Brent, Brent is the best, and we are blessed to have him. If anybody's looking for a good travel agent, and I know, and travel agents, you know, are supposed to be a thing of the past, but man, the the services that he delivers really go above and beyond. Yep. It's, it's 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 amazing. Uh, the reason that we were in Chicago, of course, <laughs> was for our Outsports reunion this past weekend, where Jim and I were trying to count. We don't know if it's seventy-seven or eighty-two or eighty-six. Uh, but there were a lot of LGBT athletes and coaches and people across the sports gathered from from Thursday to to some of us to Monday to just kind of spend time together and get to know each other and tell stories. And Jim, what you know, looking back at the, the at the weekend, I, mean, I I I am finally I think almost recovered. It sounds like you you have a ways to go. What are a couple of highlights for you? What are a couple of things that that stood out for you from the weekend? When we first put it together, I think we thought, well, we got 30 or 40 people. That would be a success. And we had our main session in the 50s because a lot of people couldn't make it there. Then in the last two events, we had probably an additional 25 people or so. So it was a lot more than than I think I would have anticipated, given the fact that it was basically just put together two months ago. But I just think my, my takeaway is is the connections that were made by everybody, which was the design of this. And there were several people there who were very reluctant to attend. They were nervous. They didn't know people. They felt out of place. And I talked, you know, like you and I, we all talked to them and universally how thrilled they were to, to finally meet a lot of other LGBT people in sports. Uh, we had Nikki Smart as a water polo coach who kind of almost walked out, not in a negative way. She just felt uncomfortable of our opening thing Thursday was at a bar, um, and then you stopped her, and I stopped her, and she wound up having the best time and was so happy marching in the parade. And I think in the parade, seeing people just smiling, laughing, taking pictures with people they didn't know, I was talking to one of the, one of the guys who's a volley player, volleyball player from Brazil who now is playing in the U.S. You know, I said, you know, four, this is Sunday, 48 hours ago, you didn't know these people even existed on the planet. And now you have three people you've met in Milwaukee, where he lives, who are your friends. And it was like, to him, that was the amazing thing, that he came in there not knowing any, anybody else LGBT in sports and now has three people he can see on a regular basis and you know, dozens others he's now connected with on Facebook and social media. And so that, to me, was the reason we did this. We wanted to have people share stories and connect and learn. And I, in that case, it, it was an unqualified success. Yeah, it really was amazing how the the, the connections that were made and, and how blown away people were by the weekend, particularly people who hadn't been to like something like that before. We, you and I have been to events like this before, particularly um, the the LGBT Sports Coalition meetings and with Nike. And one of the things, that, one of my big takeaways, and you know, I, I'll be very frank about this. You know, we didn't invite activists to this. Because we wanted this to be about the athletes themselves. We, wanted to, we believe that the athletes and the coaches are the, the most powerful forces behind change in, in our movement. 
And so we invited them. We didn't invite activists. We wanted people who are actually in sports. And it was amazing when you took the activists with their critical eyes out, how people across gender, across races, just got along. I mean, Chandler Fruman from Tennessee and Ashley Dye from um, from um, from North Carolina, uh, who are women, and Spencer Clark, who is African-American. I mean, everyone just seamlessly just got along. And I never, not once, the entire weekend, heard anyone talk about, oh, well, you know, there aren't as many women. And Ashley mentioned it on Facebook, and, and there were, you and I talked about it. I mean, they're just, we want more women there. But, you know, a lot of the people who re- registered or said they were interested didn't show up. Uh, and but just but there was just no talk of what made us different. There was only talk of what made us similar, and it was that to me was the biggest takeaway and 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 the most refreshing revelation that it just there was just was no talk about how how the event was wrong. It was just talk about how the event was right. Yeah, I think that's it's a great point. I think activism clearly has a role, and I think there are conferences where that is absolutely appropriate. Uh, but what at least I discovered the last couple we went to um, in Portland is that it seemed like so much of the time was spent complaining about the differences in the, in the community and who was basically, you know, trying to take advantage of who that it kind of lost the purpose is that in, in the end, everybody was there because they had a connection to sports. They were LGBT and had a connection to sports. And what we had in Chicago was those that was what was the thing that was the connection with sports. It wasn't, oh, I mean, you know, it said there was mostly mostly white men. It was a majority of the people that showed up. And yet I did not hear from anybody complaining about that fact, even if it was sort of recognized, because yeah. at the end of the day, everybody was, just, you know, people were people, and the athletes and coaches, administrators, media people all just got along famously. And that had not happened the last couple of years in Portland, um, like it had in the in the first first couple of years. I do want to give a, th- a big shout out to Nike, which had sponsored the Portland stuff and did an awesome job with the logistics there and the planning. And they they basically allowed us to march in Chicago in the Pride Parade. They paid for the parade permit, which we were not going to do, and they provided uh, their which I think are their most I think the most beautiful be true T-shirts that they've yet had, and so everyone was marching in a B-True T-shirt. So Nike, even though they were not physically present at, at the event, still showed their commitment to sports. And, um, and our parent company, Vox Media, which, which did a great job in sponsoring us. So it was kind of like it was a collaborative effort, everybody, and I think the athletes, I mean, everybody just, what I saw on Sunday, was everybody was just smiling. I mean, I did not hear people complaining about other people. I mean, I didn't hear, like, Gossip, and I mean, there was, you know, I think you probably heard someone, people were drunk at four in the morning, but it wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't the backbiting, I didn't hear, I didn't hear negativity, people were more just having a good time, and meeting people, and, you know, people are now fast friends, and that's sort of what was the, the whole goal was, was to connect, connect people, because we discovered, you know, how many times we heard from people saying, I did not know anybody else, and then I read the website, and I told my story, and now I know people. Um, and I think what I would, the only thing I would have liked to have more of, and I think it's impossible to force people, is to get more people who are not yet out to attend these things because these are off-the-record sessions, and the only public event really where you can be seen would be the parade, and you can skip that if you want to, that you know, to have more people who are really not yet out 
show up at this because they know they'll be among friends and allies for a weekend? Well, you, well, I think we had some people who were kind of, were definitely not out in certain parts yeah. of their lives, and certainly not out publicly. So we did have you know a number of those. And I'll tell you, yesterday I heard from somebody in pro sports who uh, had seen the out sports reunion and contacted me and wants to share his story and wants to get more involved in our in, in the community that we're building. So. You know, even even if some some people didn't show up, they definitely saw what was going on, and and I, you know, I, we know that we're going to have a bunch of stories come out of it from attendees and non-attendees. But you hit that nail on the head. It was it was just God, what a positive weekend! <laughs> I can't get over it. Like, you know, the, a lot of the kids, you know, it's not. You know, they're a lot younger than we are, and so it's not surprising to hear them say, oh, that was the best weekend of my life. But, gosh, you know what, Jim? That was one of the best weekends of my life. It was so fun. It was so positive. It was just I, – I just, other than, you know, I, one little hiccup, <laughs> which will happen when you get people together, uh, there, just, there, just, there just wasn't any negativity. And even now it's just kind of like, you know, it lasted 10 minutes and we move on. Well, one of the one of the fun things we did, and I think I was – I come up with this little LGBT sports quiz as sort of a thing for everybody to do. And it became one of the most popular things we did. And it was kind of unplanned, meaning it was like, oh, I'll put some questions out. But we then, I think we had 17 main questions and six tiebreakers. But you had the idea of breaking up people into teams. And you get athletes together and they get competitive. And this quiz, which covered the gamut from the 70s through the present, you know, it was not an easy quiz, and people, I think, kind of thought, oh, this will be just something that would blow it off, and all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I don't know this, and then other people in our group would know it, and it became highly competitive in a good way, and I thought that was really fun because they also learned stuff, and one of the things was gay sports history didn't start with, you know, Jason Collins and Michael Sand, <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, right. it was like, uh, I was amazed how many people didn't know Mark Bingham. You know, like right, yeah. we had that question, like, you've not heard of, you know, this guy who gave his life for his country and was an openly gay rugby player? You know, like, it was sort of surprising in a good way. And so that's the kind of things I think that the, that was one of the fun things for me because we were trying to figure out what to do on Friday. I just kind of did this at the last, now let's just do this quiz just for the hell of it. And it turned out to be a lot better than I think we would have thought. Yeah, well. We know we will be doing this again, and you know we're already talking about places and locations to do next June, and maybe you know we have something less formal. I mean, it would be nice to do this more than once a year. It's not, it's not. You don't just have to wait for once a year to to get together with these folks. So we know a lot of them will be getting together throughout the year with different groups and stuff. But it is, it, it really was just a nice way to kind of cap off Pride Month. Which uh, kind of shifting gears here has been a, a pretty busy month for LGBT sports stuff. It's you know the Pride Month usually comes and goes, and maybe there's a maybe there's maybe the Stanley Cup is thrown into a Pride Parade, and 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 maybe the WNBA has a has a has a Pride game, and and we all smile and move on. But this year, Jim, and maybe it was because in part because of what happened in Orlando. There was a lot of LGBT stuff going on in the pro sports world. There, the NBA released every single team's uh, a shirt with every single team's logo in, in rainbow colors, and, and marched with the WNBA in the in the New York Pride. 
uh, various MLB teams and NHL teams marching their pride parades, Major League Baseball teams. It seemed like a, a dozen or more had pride nights throughout the month. Uh, and then, of course, what happened in Orlando, it just seemed like there was there just was a lot more this year coming out of the pro sports world for pride than, than we'd seen in the past. Well, it's interesting at the parade marching with was David Baggs from the Boston Red Sox, who's in their sales. And he looked around and he goes, i got to get the Red Sox to do this next year. I mean, be a, be a you know, have a, have a, per, have a uh, not a float, whatever, a mar- march in the parade. And it was something I think he hadn't really thought of. I mean, they do the pride night, but when he saw – um, you know, the, the turnout from sports in the Chicago thing, I think it, it, with this red light on, you know, like went over his head like, yeah, this would be a great thing for the Red Sox to do. Uh, because there was a lot of sports presence in Chicago. And I think there's a realization with these teams that they have a large fan base that is LGBT. And it's a marketing move in a good way as much as anything else. Um, you know, well, the yeah, days the are kind of segmenting it. it. So I, I do think that's that's something that, they are realizing, and I think Orlando added a certain gravitas to it this year and made it more special. I think you probably could have gotten you know, any any group that wanted a you know something from a, a pro team this month because after Orlando probably would have got you know some recognition of some sort. So I do think it's a really positive uh, reflection. Well, yeah, the the Cubs have been in the Chicago Pride Parade before, and they have an annual Pride Night, which has been going on for uh, 15 years or so. What was kind of neat is this year Ryan Sandberg showed up to be a part of their Pride Parade presence. And, you know, this isn't just kind of, you know, uh, throwing a couple marketing execs on, on a float. That's a, that, that's a, that's a big-time star mm-hmm. with the team, so... You know, that was kind of, and obviously Billy Bean was there in Chicago with Laura Ricketts, who's the out lesbian and, and part owner of the team. So, uh, so yeah, yeah it was, there, was a, there was a lot of sports in Chicago. And of course, the LGBT sports groups pour, uh, pour into the parade. Um, so, so that was neat to see. Um, tell me, you know, there was, there was, I feel like I'm getting grumpy a little bit about, and, and, and I, I, I kind of wrote about this today with the NBA and WNBA kind of celebrating that they were the first pro sports league to march as a league in a pride parade. And, you know, after the Chicago pride parade and seeing all of the major, major corporations that are there, the Cubs that have been there, you know, for years and obviously a part of the community being um, right in, right near boys town. It just, I, I just, I'm having a lot of trouble getting too excited about some of the things that, that, while it's lovely, some of the things that these teams and leagues are doing. I mean, you know, marching in the Pride Parade, Fortune 500 companies have been doing this for decades. And, and you know, having having a moment of silence for, for people who were murdered in Orlando, I mean, it's almost like they, they had to. Am, am I just being grumpy? Are my expectations too high? Or am I wrong to not be celebrating these these little these little steps a little bit more. I guess I'm halfway between grumpy and I mean I'm not celebrating. I think it's a I think it's good to acknowledge. But yeah, they, the sports has been the final closet in American society, and it still remains so. You don't have anybody out in any of the sports, and so there you know it's change is coming. And I think as younger people take over these sports teams, the change is going to accelerate. So I think you sort of have to acknowledge and say, hey, that's really good. But it's not like you can say 
they have done a, a real lot about this or, you know, it, it's not like they should be like, you know, you get down on your hands and knees and you bow before them. It's like, yeah, it's a nice thing they did that. And it's certainly better than when the WNBA is trying to hide the fact that it had a lesbian fan base, you know, which they right. did for years, it seemed, almost downplaying it. Uh, and now they're kind of acknowledging it. I mean, they sent out this whole press release about all the pride events they're having and all the basketball games they're having during, you know, Pride Month. And that's something that they never would have done before. But it's, it's, it's an institution in sports that still is owned by older, more conservative white men, who are you know, obviously business people who tend to be more conservative. And it's going to take a while. So I think we should acknowledge that, but we should not let them off the hook and say, okay, well, good, you, you sponsored a pride float. Now you've done all your things you need to do. And pride month is one month a year. We want recognition and stuff to be done for us the other 11 months. Yeah, it's, I, I think that's a – I feel like my, my, my piece today, I, I was trying to make – I was trying to hit the tone of, yeah, this is nice, but it's really not anything spectacular. Like, it's not special, right? That people are, seem to be – some people seem holding it up as something special. Somebody tweeted, this is a big deal. And I think I just I just the tone of my piece ended up being more negative than I had intended, yeah. Because you're right, it is I mean, uh, Dan had Dan has a saying the 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 best time to plant a tree is to, is today, right? You can't you can't worry about that you didn't plant it ten years ago and you're not eating apples from it. You might as well just plant it now. And so it's good that the NBA and WNBA have shown up. They're obviously doing a lot more than the NFL, which. I mean, has been absolutely silent on Orlando and Pride and everything else. I mean, they haven't done, uh, frankly, a damn thing. So, uh, you know, the, it's, it's, it is good that the NBA and WNBA are, are doing what they're doing. And just, I just keep, it's been 26 months since Michael Sam came out. And no one has come out since in the men's leagues. Only two women have come out in the WNBA since then. Uh, no, I'm sorry, maybe three. It's just it it just is so frustrating that they're doing pride parades and T-shirts and just not doing what they what they need to do to get people out. It's just I'm getting frustrated by it. But then then the counter argument becomes how do they get people to come out when it is such a personal choice? I mean they can create an environment where someone's accepted. They may know of players already have who are out and you know management knows and doesn't care. But I'm not. I'm always trying to wrestle. Like, what is management supposed to do to sort of get somebody you. to come out? Good. I'll tell you. Identify gay people in your league and talk to them and and help them through their journey. They are not being proactive right now. They're kind of like Gary. Chris Hine had a great interview, an article with Gary Bettman today, and you know Gary Bettman's like, you know, all we can do is create the environment. No, Gary Bettman, you are a very, very, very powerful person in your league. You are the commissioner of the league. You can identify uh, gay players in your league. You can, in the off season, sit them down and figure out how to how to support them through their coming out process with their family, with their friends, with their teammates. And publicly, and you can be hold their hand and be right by their side through the way. But what they want to do is they want to go to parades and they want to create videos because it's it's very passive. They don't they don't want to they don't want to get their quote unquote hands dirty. They don't really really want to get in the middle of the coming out process. So what could they do? That's exactly what they could do, and none of them are doing it. But I'm also curious. How do you basically 
are you going to what investigate someone to discover they're gay? I mean, I mean, you're assuming they all know they're gay players, and yet, I mean, Luke McAvoy, who had been an openly gay player in Minnesota, said he's not sure his. I mean, because he, he never came out to his team in a gender statement. He's really not sure if his coach. He never talked to his coach about it. He thought, I think my coach may have known. So I'm wondering, do these do these leagues absolutely quote unquote know who is gay? And how would they feel if they went up to him and said, uh, we know you're gay, we want to help you come out? Might that not – some people seem like an invasion of privacy. I'm just – I'm kind of playing devil's sure, advocate I'll tell here. You. I, I Again, think, so I'll, I just I'll kind of know, how. like, how are you supposed to, quote, unquote, know I'll tell who you might how. be ready to come out? In the same article, Patrick Burke says the UK play organization knows gay players in the NHL. Jason Collins says he knows gay players in the NBA. Wade Davis says he knows gay players in the NFL. And Billy Bean says he knows gay players in Major League Baseball. All of these people have direct relationships with the league. The league should that work with them, identify them, get them into the league from office, and sit them down and figure out well, how can we best support you. We want you to come out in your private, at least in your private life, because as we know, freedom breeds happiness. And when, and when you're able to just be yourself in your personal life and, and, and ideally publicly, you're just happier. There isn't every single person, Jim, who comes out, tells us the same thing. They regret they didn't do it sooner. The kid we just had, the the, the uh, lacrosse player, the college, former yeah. lacrosse, college lacrosse player, his quote said, my biggest regret is that I did. I waited 14 years to do this. And so and we hear this over and over and over again. But the, so that's how the people who are, the leagues have direct relationships with on these issues know who the gay players are, or at least know who some of them are. They should work with them and get them in the, in the league commissioner's office, and 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 work with these folks. Really support them it, personally, individually, not in these grand public pronouncements. Well, I do think that you hit upon a way to do it would be to use gay ex-players themselves to be the sort of liaison, so to speak, yeah. to see if someone is ready. I mean, I think that's something that I, you know, I think maybe the first way I heard it was kind of like Gary Bett was going to go around calling people saying, oh, I think you're gay. But, no, I do think having, you know, having that structure and talking to the player and saying, you know, we would definitely assist you if you want to come out to your team publicly or whatever. But I think ultimately they just still don't really care. And I think that's the bottom line. Despite all their the things they say, it's not and it, it's not a priority issue for them. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the NFL. Orlando's hosting the Pro Bowl next year, and from my understanding, the NFL said a damn thing about the Orlando shootings. Yep, nothing. And Zero. so it's kind of like, what does that tell you? You know, they're they're always quick to run out to issue a press release and everything, and the worst mass shooting in U.S. history, and the NFL can't be bothered to issue a statement or raise money or give a large contribution. It just seems they really just don't ultimately care about this issue. And so in the absence of players pushing it, they're not going to take the initiative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I think, and, and that's, that's the rub. They just, they really don't. They, they want to do something. They don't want to do everything. They want to look like they're tackling the issue. They don't actually really want to tackle it. If, if any of the commissioners, particularly Roger Goodell, if he wanted an openly gay player in the league, he would have an openly gay player 
in the league. Roger Goodell gets what he wants. And as do the as do the other commissioners. I mean, Adam Silver is suspended an owner permanently from the league. These guys can do whatever they want. And of course, wait, I'm not talking about outing. Billy Bean has, has kind of confused. He he. he ta- I talked about this with a with with a for an article a couple of days ago, and Billy kind of confused what I was saying with outing people. I'm not talking about outing people. I'm talking about sitting people down and working with them, as you and I have done. Whether it's Wade Davis or Kirk Walker or high school athletes or this or this kid who called me from a pro sports team just the other day, you know, you talk with them, you encourage them, you're there for them, you make them see the possibility of coming out, and then you hold their hand through the process. But the leagues just aren't doing that, and that to me is that to me is the way they're failing. Yeah, and I said to 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 them, it still doesn't mean anything to them, and, and until it and until it does, it's going to have to be up to the athletes. And I think then it becomes a thing where the athletes are going to feel they're not sure if they're going to have the support of it, so they then balk and decide not to do anything. So we have this sort of vicious circle going on. And so it's probably going to take, I don't know what the breakthrough would be. It might be a couple of athletes to sort of say, screw it, I'm going to do this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so I, I'm still pessimistic about it at the pro level because we've, we've been doing this for 16 years and we still have not seen yeah. any influx. And so at a certain point, you know, another 16 years from now, are people still going to be talking this way? Yeah. Well, we were going to talk about <laughs> looking ahead to 2016 second half stories, but... Uh, you know, I, we kind of got off, off track a little bit, but still talking about Pride. Um, it's been a great month, and we will look ahead to more great stories in the second half of this year. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Have a great 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs>